Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are. Hour number two. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you on a Friday. And you know what that means. It means now is the time to be joined by senior producer from NFL Films, co-host of the ESPN NFL Matchup Show. It is one Greg Cosell joining us. How are we doing, Greg? How are you guys doing? Getting ready for a little snow, huh? Oh, yeah. We're telling everybody coming to the game they better put a shovel in the trunk of their car if they want to get out of here afterwards. They may need it. Yeah, well, I, you guys deal with that. You know, I, I, I live obviously outside of Philadelphia, and I'm not a big snow fan, you know. Never was. <laughs> did you, three inches is a lot of snow. Did, I guess I wouldn't go over well in Buffalo, huh? Did you, did you hear how Greg said that? Wow, you guys deal with that. Did yeah, you hear that? Yeah. Did you hear the disdain like, for the snow? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's the unwillingness to put your arms around it and embrace it is what is the, is the troubling oh, part. Oh, I'm, I'm very aware of my unwillingness to do that. <laughs> I, I, I have very good self-awareness about that. All right. Well, let's be let's begin here, Greg, because there has been a lot of talk about this this week. Uh, people are wondering if if Tua and this offense has turned into a pumpkin. Uh, the last two weeks, San Francisco goes with a much different approach than the Chargers go with the last two weeks. Both are equally right. effective against that Dolphins offense. Tua it looked supremely crossed up last Sunday night. As um, I think I might have been more impressed with Brandon Staley's game plan than San Francisco's because D'Amico Ryans has oodles of talent to work with. Brandon Staley, not so much last week for the Chargers. He goes and plays press man on early downs and goes yeah. and backs off on third downs. And then he even switched it in the second half. We can get into the whole plan in a second, but. Leslie Frazier's got a lot to pick from on the menu. Obviously, he's going to do what he feels his unit can do best. But there are little bits and pieces he can take from each of these two game plans and and utilize from time to time on Saturday night, can he? Yeah, look, I I think that what Brandon Staley did, um, and and I know Brandon Staley a little bit, and he is a very aggressive mindset guy, and he's – you know, it took a lot to decide to go that route because, like you said, Brownie, they played press man, 
And then they also played a good amount of cover two where you can press the receivers because you have two safeties over the top. And no team had really done that with the uh, the amount that the Chargers did. That was really their game plan. And, you know, he pretty much said that, hey, if you can't disrupt Tua because the, their offense is built on on quick rhythm, quick timing throws, particularly in normal down and distance situations, if you can't get to Tua, then who else do you have to disrupt? The receivers. It's one or the other. And you're not going to disrupt Tua, so let's disrupt the receivers. And he did it. He was only burned one time on the 60-yard touchdown when Mike Davis fell down. The other thing that was really interesting is they play boundary corner and field corner in, in Los Angeles, the Chargers. And Mike Davis is the boundary corner. There were snaps, guys, in that game where they literally had Davis play zero man on Hill, and they would bring the boundary safety into the middle of the field to close down windows. So he took a super aggressive approach. Um, I'm not a big blueprint guy. I think you nailed it, Brownie, when you said other teams might take bits and pieces, you know, because I, I just don't think, like, I don't think the Bills would echo that exact approach. Right. You know, that's right. not the way they play. And I think the other factor we do have to keep in mind, and it might not play out to tomorrow night because weather will obviously be a factor, but assuming a normal fast track, you know, Mike McDaniel, who I know as well, he's not an idiot. You know, they're going to have some adjustments as well. It's always, you know, that's what the game is. Right. You know, one team does something and then it works and then the other side evolves and, and, and adjusts. And you'll see that over time. Obviously Bill's fans don't care what the Dolphins do in three weeks. They care about tomorrow night. Right. And what have we, we've seen, a couple of people say that one of the things the Dolphins have done well and depend on is Tua's ability to throw the ball between the numbers. And Correct. the Niners were able to clog those lanes up by saying, if you're going to beat us, you're going to do it 10 yards down the field outside the numbers. And Tua struggled to do that. But there was also, there seems another element, particularly in the Charger game and, and also in the San Francisco game, where, they, where Tua doesn't know where to go with the football. Correct. So because yeah, what, how much of each of those is important? A couple of points here. The last one first. Tua is extremely rhythmic, Steve, and his whole game is built on he hits his back foot, he knows where to go, he's decisive, he turns it loose. If, if he hits that back foot and something shows that tells him, I can't be decisive, hey, I can't throw it or I want to, he's not the same quarterback. He's not really a late in the down, as we say, pocket quarterback. He needs to play rhythmically. Um, and nor does he have a big arm. So he can't really sit on his back foot and wait for things to happen and then drive the ball at the intermediate levels. That's not his game. So now getting to another point you made, the Niners, look, I think Fred Warner's the best linebacker in football. He's also 6'3". And Fred Warner is phenomenal at playing between the numbers and between the hashes in pass coverage. You know, so you're dealing with, uh, and Greenlaw, look, they have two outstanding nickel linebackers. I think that the, the Bills have two really good nickel linebackers as well, but Warner is a different animal than Edmonds. Warner has more, almost more corner-type skills than Edmonds. Warner can do those kinds of things. I, I don't think Edmonds is quite that kind of player. So the Niners had talent, as Brownie, you said, the, the, you know, the Niners have really good talent. So they could almost play somewhat normal whereas the Chargers kind of stepped out of the normal and did something that really no team had, had done against the, uh, the Dolphins. Maybe just talk to us a little bit because the Chargers also kind of defeated some of that 
mo- the missile motion that they used with yes. Tyreek yes. Hill and yep. even with Waddle at times. Um, first, maybe just explain to our listening audience how missile motion might be slightly different from just regular motion and how it helps a fast receiver and then what the Chargers did to defeat that and then whether or not you think the Bills can employ some of that. Uh, that's something they probably could employ. So so let's uh, let's just talk about that a little bit. So one of the things we've seen all year long, and it's a really good strategy by the Dolphins, they normally do it with Hill, is they would take Hill from one side of the formation and they'd run him across. It looks like initially jet motion, but then he'd go all the way across and literally to the side of Waddle, almost as if they'd have a stack release. Okay, so when you do that, it's, it is difficult to press that. And the stack release also makes it difficult to press. And therefore, Hill is flying off the line of scrimmage because he's running. He's in motion. He's running hard across the formation. So what the Chargers did is they basically switched. Um, Instead of trying to to stay with the matchups and have a corner run across with Hill, and he's going to be trailing him, and he's going to be off the ball, and it's going to be difficult to defend him, they would just switch it up. And they would then match it. And... You know, it, it it didn't show right away to Tua as a clean throw. And that's just what we were talking about, is that if he can't hit that back foot and make a clean throw, it's it's more difficult for him. So that's the missile motion that they use. They've had really good success with it. I, I did a piece on it in the matchup show probably week four, week five, week six, somewhere earlier in the season, because it's really hard to defend. But they, they chose to um, uh, to switch and... Therefore, early in the down, the first six, seven steps by Hill and Waddle, they didn't show up as really viable throws. And that's what happens. You know, Tua is, is he gets caught a little bit. And that's that's what happened. So it seems right. like the key is obviously making Tua uncomfortable, which is basically the game plan for just about every team with the opposing quarterback every week. But do you think the Bills are better equipped to muddy the look, so to speak, knowing they have Poyer and Tredavious White back there, you know, two players who know how to disguise as veteran players, two guys they did not have in week three. Correct. I mean, you know, that week three game was a very odd game for the defense. First of all, the Dolphins only ran 39 plays, but Ingram was playing in that game at corner. Um, I believe both Hamlin and Johnson were the safeties in that game, if memory serves me correct. Is that right, Brown? Yeah, yeah that's right. I'm pretty. I'm Taron pretty sure Johnson was, was the only regular in their nickel package. There you go. So I mean, this is a different defense right now, and obviously White's back. You know, being White, I mean, he, he literally matched up to Wilson last week, and he played every snap. So he obviously is ready to go. Um, so yeah, this will be a totally different defense. And as you said, Brownie, they'll take bits and pieces situationally of what the last two teams did. Um, Look, the Bills' defense is pretty talented. You know, obviously the Niners are real good, uh, but the Bills' defense has talent. It's not as if they're trying to compensate for poor talent. Um, You know, so the question is, and now you're dealing with the weather as well, because I'm very curious to see Tua, who is, like we said, very rhythmic and does not have a big arm, how that's going to play out in this kind of weather. I mean, this could be a 13-10 game, a 10-7 game, where teams have to run the ball, and that's just the nature of the evening. Right, and we've also seen games where in weather like this that turned into a 44-34 game as well because the right, defense right. can't stand, stand up. And, I, and I've said this too. Everybody says, well, when the weather's like this, this happens and this happens. You don't always know that that's the case no. because the simple fact of the matter is it could snow one day and this field could be as slippery as can be 
and the next time you play it in snow, it's not that slippery, and teams are able to do a lot more things. Defenses right. are able to do a lot more things. So it really is a game-by-game take on what the weather's going to do. The one thing that's always constant is the wind, and the wind could be a factor in this, and certainly the temperature and the, and the snow are going to be a problem for ball handling. But that, again, is an unpredictable thing. Turnovers are the unpredictable stat that really has so much to do with the outcome. So when you talk about this, the Dolphins' defense has not gotten many turnovers. They don't seem to be a team that, although they did look pretty good against the Chargers, their defense doesn't seem to get after the quarterback on a consistent basis, although they have at times. And what's their personality defensively in a game like this, given the weather and all of that stuff? Well, it's it's hard to know if they'll make any you know true tactical changes, but I would say that there's not a lot of mystery to the way the Dolphins play defense. They play a lot of man coverage, and they pressure, and they show a lot of pressure front looks. So that's kind of their defensive profile. Now that can the degrees with which they do those things can certainly vary on a week to week basis. But as you guys know, over the last three years, going back to the 2020 season. Uh, for the most part, the, the the Bills have not had a lot of problems attacking their man coverage. Um, then I think they switched up one game and played a lot of zone, and the Bills didn't have a lot of problems with that either. So the Bills have been pretty good against this defense over the last three years. I mean, even in the game uh, week three, where I believe Josh dropped back over 70 times and the Bills ran 90 plays, um, you know, they had success moving up and down the field. It wasn't as if they were shut down. So they've been able to throw the ball against this defense, and I know people are out. I think Eric Rowe is out. Yep. Um, I think someone else is out. I mean, well, I, 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 his backup Elijah Campbell is also out. So he's the, also out. I saw the, that. He, the word is the word is they're going to start yeah. the rookie Verone McKinley is going to make just his second start of the season, um, which was going to be my next question, Greg, because when you have a young, inexperienced safety out there. Yep. What have offensive coordinators told you over the years as to how you might be able to take advantage of an inexperienced safety in coverage? Yeah, and he's been playing basically in their nickel, uh, excuse me, in their dime. But now if he starts, because obviously Holland is a really, really good player, and they use him as their back-end safety, and also when they blitz, he's up at the line of scrimmage. Um, you, You know, McKinley's an interesting guy. I, I kind of liked his tape a lot uh, when I watched him come coming out of Oregon. Um, you know, I think he has a playmaking dimension to his game. I think you can get him to be aggressive. He's a very aggressive player. So I think you need to try to create scenarios, Brownie, where he's aggressive. Um, and you can do that, you know, maybe it's double moves. Maybe it's... Uh, you know, maybe it's it's a certain number of receivers to one side, you know, it's but I think you can probably attack him. The question is, how will they use him? Will they use him essentially as a box player? Because when he plays in their dime, he's not really a box player. So, you know, because Holland normally, unless he's going to line up on the line of scrimmage in their pressure looks and blitz, then he's the back end safety and he's really good at it. Uh, so McKinley might be forced to play in a way in which he's not really comfortable. Um, you know, I, I, I'm really curious about the Bills passing game. You know, look, they obviously signed Beasley for a reason. We don't have to interpret that. They signed Beasley for a reason. They brought him back because obviously the passing game has not been over the last number of weeks as consistent as it was earlier in the season. Um, 
And uh, look, they w- weren't their first five series punts this week. Against they were. The they Jets, were. Right? First five. Yeah. First time you know, that's happened thought, this season. I, yeah, and I thought Josh was a little tentative in that game. I thought in the second half he started to seem a little more comfortable. I thought, you know, the throw that told me he was getting more comfortable was the out route to Davis, which I think might have been may have been the first possession of the third quarter. I can't remember, but it was. But that was the ball where I said, okay, now he's he's feeling a little more comfortable. Um, but you know, this offense hasn't been as aggressive. Uh, I think if we're being honest, guys, and you know, uh, that's the only way I know how to do it based on tape study. I think that they probably haven't gotten on a week-to-week basis what they were hoping to get out of Gabriel Davis. I would say and, that's I would say that's accurate to some extent. I was going to ask you about that a little bit because I I was wondering what's up with Gabe Davis. How much do you believe? It's it's Davis's failure to get consistent separation. And how much do you believe it's scheme oriented where maybe they're not drawing up as many one on one opportunities for him? Because a lot of times, Greg, I see him as just the clear out guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what? I'm always Larry Brownie and I'm just being honest. And I know you guys will appreciate this. You know, it's always hard for me comfortably. Obviously, I have my opinions. But because I'm not in the meetings and I'm not there with installations, right? You know, I, I'm always a little uncomfortable about talking about scheme. But to me, there is something to that. Now, hey, I'm sure if Ken Dorsey was sitting here, maybe he'd tell me I'm nuts, okay? And maybe I am. But I think that I would tend to agree with you to some extent. I feel like they could do a better job in terms of getting other receivers involved and open through route concepts and combinations. That's just my take watching the film. Now, again, that's, you know, I do want to qualify that because I don't know how it's taught and I don't know, you know, what they do on the practice field. But I I think there is some merit to that based on tape study. How much do you think Beasley, I mean, first of all, that he's back, that's number one. Number two, if he's up and he's active and he plays, how much is that a prompting by the offensive staff to get Josh to go to the check down options more often, because it seems like this has been something that's been happening over the last several weeks, maybe most notably in week nine and week 10, where Josh is wanting maybe a little too much to push the ball down the field when he has an easy check down for eight or 10 yards. They've tried for the last four weeks to get him to do more of that. It's happened on occasion, but not terribly often. I, I, I feel like this is a prompting on the part of the staff. Hey, here's a guy you trust. Check it down to him if you're not going to check it down to anybody yeah. else. And I think that's fair as well, you know, because we know that Beasley is really good at finding voids in coverage, particularly zone. Um, you know, McKenzie theoretically has been the man beater guy, but he obviously had two drops last week. And I'm, you know, I don't know if that prompted them to go get Beasley, but you know, Beasley is obviously a guy, as we saw in the previous number of years, that Josh Allen is really comfortable throwing the ball to. He knows how to find voids. He knows how to find space. Um, and he's a chain mover. And that's ultimately what you want to do. Because, look, I, I guess I was, you know, this gets back now to the whole offensive philosophy and approach, which, like I said, you know, I, I don't say this with great confidence, but I see the tape. <laughs> You know, I thought they would run the ball more or less. We coming off what they did the week prior against the Patriots with, you know, the pony package, which they didn't only ran four or five times this week. Um, and, and James Cook running the ball. They didn't really run the ball this week. And, um, you know, that struck me as interesting as well. 
Um, but yeah, I think that, yeah, and one thing I will say, and, and I don't know if they talked to Josh Allen about this. I think there have been times this year, Brownie, more recently, where he's left the pocket too soon. And, you know, I think he can, the thing is, he, he can make special plays doing that, like the play against New England where he threw the touchdown in Davis. Right. So we all get, you know, excited about those plays, but I think there are times he leaves the pocket too soon. What about the ability to run the football against this Dolphin team? This is, uh, you know, it it may be, like you said, dictated by the weather anyway. But yep. on a but on a level playing field in a, in a dome stadium, what would the what would the matchup look like without the weather being a factor? Um. Ooh, you know, I mean, I think the Dolphins, you know, they have multiple fronts because you know, just like every team does with personnel. And um, then it would depend on what the Bills' personnel is, whether they're going to play with a fullback um, or not. Um, uh, or, you know, if they play 11 personnel, then you're not going to get the 5-2 front that the Dolphins play as their base defense. Uh, you know, I'll answer it this way, Steve. I personally believe that the Bills have to try to run the ball more no matter who they play against. Because I just, you know, I think we all – and, and – I'll be the first to admit this coming off last season. And I'm sure you guys felt the same way with, with the, the two games that Josh Allen had in the playoffs and the, in the last two, two and a half years that he's had, you know, I think we all got caught up in that this guy's Superman and that this guy is the most physically gifted quarterback in the league, which he is. If you look at just raw physical traits and that, you know what, every week he's just going to be super special because that's who he is. And I think sometimes that can, camouflage some concerns you have throughout the rest of your offense because you assume that he's going to make those special plays every single week. And that's that's unrealistic. So you have to find other ways offensively to move the ball and to win. And, you know, I, I, I think they've been struggling to do that on a, on a weekly basis. I think that's a fair statement. Let's uh, just take a look at some of the young pass rushers here for the Bills before we let you go, Greg. And, yep. you know, absent Von Miller, who's no longer part of the equation, Greg Rousseau yeah. has done a nice job the last two weeks, yeah. you know, had two sacks uh, along with the forced fumble. Um, and Oliver's flashed. So, too, has A.J. Epinesa the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So maybe just give me your synopsis and what the film has told you about these young pass rushers, knowing once again they're going against a quarterback where they know where he's going to be. And the ball comes out quick, Brownie. Right. So this is more, to me, of a early downs, normal down and distance. Your coverage has to be the deciding factor. If you get them into a good number of third and longs, then the pass rush has to win. Um, now, Armstead, he's playing, so he's a really good left tackle. I think they've got some other concerns along their offensive line that ideally the Bills can exploit. But it's really going to be more in long yardage situations where Tua can't just take the quick, you know, the quick three-step rhythm throws where he has to kind of drop back and, and, and throw the football down the field a little bit more. That's where it's going to have to happen. But Rousseau, I've been pleasantly surprised by Rousseau. I'll be the first to admit when, when he came out, that I wasn't sure if he could be this kind of player. And again, I'm not suggesting he's, you know, the best pass rusher in the league, but I think he's shown in his two years in the league that he can be a pretty quality edge pass rusher. He knows how to use his length really well, and I think he'll continue to get better at that. Great stuff, Greg. Thanks for coming along with us today. Appreciate it. It's good to see you. We'll talk to you next week. 
All right, guys, stay stay warm and safe. All right. Yeah, thank Come you very much. Come up and visit. Come up, bring a snowshoe. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I think maybe I'll do that in the spring. You'll love yeah. it. <laughs> spring is May here. Just so you yes, know, Greg. You Thanks very much. <laughs> okay. We appreciate it. That's Greg Cosell joining us, uh, senior producer from NFL Films, also co-host of the ESPN NFL Matchup Show. Steve and I will take a break here. When we come back, we'll take a look at some of the OBL Friday fan mailbag questions and answer those for you next here on One Bills Live presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.